Hello, members, friends, and neighbors of Peace Lutheran Church in beautiful downtown Puyallup, Washington, to episode seven of Together in the Word on Pioneer and Third, where we are six feet apart and yet face to face with the challenge and promise of Holy Scripture. My guest today is none other than the president of the congregation currently, Mark Siltala. Thanks for being on the podcast today, Mark. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. We'd like to get to know you a little bit better before we dive into our conversation about the gospel story for this Sunday. For those uh, in the congregation and those who are listening who don't know you as well, maybe you'd be willing to give us a little bit of a a biographical introduction and kind of tell us a little bit about your life and your involvement at Peace. Okay. Well, I can start with the the Peace stuff first. Uh, I was looking back on it and Trish and Abby and I moved to the South Hill area in 1998, and we started attending Peace in 99. We actually moved in on about the rainiest Thanksgiving you've ever seen. So uh, it was near the end of the year. Uh, Beth arrived in 2001, so there's the four of us. Uh, Over the years, Trish and I have spent some time on, (laughs) both spent time on the council at different times. Uh, and I, like you said, I'm the president for 2020. Uh, a little bit about my religious background. I was raised a Lutheran until I was about 10, and then the church in our town closed. Uh, really didn't do much of anything until I married Trish, who was a staunch Presbyterian in, in Vancouver. So I became a Presbyterian for a while. And then we moved up here, and I became Lutheran again. So I went from, <laughs> I like to say one extreme to the other, but it's, really close there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, well, we're glad to have you back uh, in the fold, so to speak. Yeah, it's good to be here. <laughs> um, so two questions that I've asked every guest so far that I've had on the podcast, and I'm curious to know your thoughts too. The first is, uh, boy, how many weeks are we into this quarantine and we are stuck uh, at home? And I'm wondering, what are some of the ways, Mark, that you're coping? How are you getting through this time? <laughs> well, it's a uh... It's a little, a little strange. Uh, I'm going to give a little background here. Uh, Trish is a speech and language pathologist at Meeker. Uh, she's got about seven weeks of school left, and she's on Zoom most of the day with her colleagues and her students doing speech therapy over the line. So she's up in upstairs in her office. Uh, Beth came home from Washington State in Pullman uh, over spring break and hasn't gone back. They've, they're doing everything online. Uh, I just walked in the house a little while ago, and uh, she was practicing trombone for her trombone lesson. So she's still doing school that way. And I've probably had the least amount of change. Since the first of the year, I've been a full-time college student at Western Governors University, which is a completely online university. So uh, I'm doing the same thing I have been doing. I go out to my office, and I study, and I take courses out here. Uh that keeps our days busy. Uh, it's nice getting together at night. Uh, it was just Trish and I for a while. Now Beth is back. And we have dinner together and uh, entertain ourselves, watch a lot of TV. We're catching up on some shows. Uh, like I said, daytimes we keep busy. Nighttimes we're together. Uh, it's not really what we wanted, but it's what we have. And I think think we're doing okay. Uh, I know we're doing a lot better than others. So I've got nothing to complain about. 
yeah, I don't know what else to say. Just we're yeah, that's up. good. I'm really glad to hear that. It's interesting. You almost um, you you sort of prepared yourself for the quarantine by starting your online program <laughs> earlier in the year. So uh, that's amazing to hear that you you know not much has actually changed for you, other than the fact that you know you have the, all the same restrictions for going out in public that everybody else does. Right. But good for you. Right. I'm really glad to hear that you're making it through. You know, one thing I haven't pressed people on recently, but I'm, I want to go back to it is. Uh, you know, many of us are consuming more or at least maybe different or new kinds of media in this time. And I'm wondering if people might like to know what the president of the congregation is watching on Netflix or listening to on a podcast. Uh, we just finished binge watching once again, uh, Aaron Sorkin's uh, series Newsnight. Okay. Um, Beth is a She's a journalism major. Part of her major is journalism, and uh, she says that's really what got her hooked onto journalism. Oh wow! Okay, so that's good, and we got through all that. Uh, I've just started picking up on Netflix. There's a uh, Finnish murder mystery called Deadwind. Uh, it's in Finnish with subtitles, and I'm, I'm like the second episode of that. Pretty interesting so far. They show a lot of shots of Helsinki, and uh, it's just <laughs> it's. The word, the music of my people, I guess. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, Scandinavian, uh, Scandinavian crime dramas and police dramas are like a thing I've picked up on. Uh, I've seen, you know, several of those uh, on the streaming services here and there. You know, among it's sort of like the the Brits have their comedies. Although I suppose there are are just as many uh, crime dramas in Britain too, but it seems to me that the Scandinavians have have given us the gift of of the crime drama, or the police drama. Yeah, I wonder if that's kind of a Finnish thing because we're known as a being a very somber people and very reserved. Uh, I think we're kind of prepared for being alone like this. Interesting. Wow. Oh, interesting. People, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. You know, the other the other question I've been curious about asking, and it's kind of related, which is, you know, as we as we begin to understand what kind of impacts this time in quarantine, uh, this outbreak uh, is having on sort of a, a societal level, what are some of your hopes for our congregation, for our community, for our nation as we begin to emerge from the crisis, what, what what are some of the ways that you would, if you, you had it your way, how would you see us transformed? Oh, boy. Everybody says they want to get back to normal. Uh, we don't want this to be the new normal, and everybody wants to get back to normal. And I keep thinking, you know, depending on who you are, there were things about before that the normal wasn't good enough for a lot of people. So I'm kind of hoping we can do better. Amen. Uh, make some changes that maybe have to be made. Uh, I don't know so much about the congregation, but a society in general, uh, it's really showing the differences between the haves and the have-nots, if you will. And mm-hmm. I'd like to decrease that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Uh, About the church, uh, I don't know if you remember... Uh, at our first retreat in January, first council retreat, you had asked me, uh, well, what would I like to see in the Sotal administration <laughs> yeah. in the church? Yeah. And uh, I said, we're in a very good place. Uh, financially, we're well off. The mortgage reduction team really helped us a lot on that. Uh, I just wanted to keep things on track. <laughs> and I jokingly said that 20 years from now, I don't want people to say the church really far- fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, hopefully we won't, and it certainly won't have been your fault if we do. <laughs> well, it's funny that we joked about it then. We got a good chuckle. And now, uh, I just want to keep things going. Yeah, maybe um, we shouldn't have laughed so loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, somebody heard that. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, there is just in the same way that you've mentioned that, uh, you know, this is an opportunity for our society to take a hard look in the mirror and say, who do we really want to be? Is this a place really that uh, that values, you know, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness for everybody? Or is it really a society of, of as you said, of haves and have nots and a place where some folks have means to live abundantly and other folks really don't? We could ask similar questions of the church. We can say, what is it about our congregational life, our relationships with our community, our neighbors, uh, our our commitments, our priorities for ministry? What, what are what are the valuable uh, valuable aspects of our congregational life that we really want to go back and and cherish? And then, what can we do differently? What are we you know What do we have a chance to do anew now? And I think this is a time for us to to be to be you know taking that hard look in the mirror and asking us ourselves those hard questions. And as our president, Mark, you're going to have a chance to kind of lead us in that conversation as we return uh, to yeah. church sometime, uh, probably not as near in the future as we would like, but at some point, you know, in the coming months. Yeah, believe me, I've been thinking about that too, about uh, what do we want to look like? Yeah. What do we keep? Uh, yeah. Especially right now, you mentioned that we're having a, the food drive coming up in a week or so. Yeah. And we're really happy how outreach and the food program has been kept going for the school kids. Uh, that really strikes me as part of what we're about. You know, it's uh, God's work, our uh, gloved hands. Our gloved case. hands. Well, well said. Yeah. No, that's a remarkable uh, turn of events. Our, our feeding ministry, you know, feeding feeding has been sort of in the DNA of Peace Lutheran Church for a long, long time, whatever form that takes. And and this new iteration of that, which is a sponsorship of Spinning Elementary School, one of our neighbor neighborhood schools, uh, for, for a while centered on the weekend supplemental food program, the backpacks, uh, per se. And... Uh, it's of course had to pivot immediately, just like just like congregational ministry when it comes to worship or communication. Uh, outreach has had to pivot, and they've done it beautifully uh, with the love and support of the congregation behind them. Uh, and so, the opportunity that we could, could continue to strengthen and increase that ministry—I mean, they're they're serving almost double the number of students they would have been otherwise. Uh-huh. And providing more food now. Now instead of just weekend supplemental food, families of kids at spinning are getting entire boxes filled with sup, you know food supplements for the whole family. Yeah, um, that's a that's a critical uh, ministry. That's not really a negotiable ministry for us, and and yet we've relied really heavily on outreach to do that. So I'm with you. I, I really commend them for that. And uh, I'm hoping that we can really look at that and say, wow, this is who we really are. Can, is there a way that we can really? Uh, continue the, the the strength of this ministry uh, in the future. Yes, wonderful. That's like everything we're doing. We look back and uh, we just have to say, well, we're not doing it that way anymore. How sure. are we going to do it? Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I, I I thank you in advance for your leadership uh, as we move forward as a congregation. Uh, you know, I've I've been sort of meditating on the fact that the. The building may be closed, but the church isn't. The church is still open. And in fact, we're still gathering, even though we're not gathering physically, and we're still serving God and our neighbors uh, in the spirit of Christ. Uh, 
it just looks really different and it's going to continue to look different uh, in the future. So thank you. The council is really working hard together. Uh, I like I like to joke that, yes, yeah, president, I'm just in there hurting the cats, but it's not even that. They, they just work together so well. We just want to make things good. So thank you. Yeah, we we are we rely really heavily on really a, a democratic model of for leadership in the church, at least in our denomination. And so I really, as the pastor, for instance, I think um, I I feel very strongly that uh, that we're we're sort of a we're leading together. I'm leading alongside. Um, mm. We are we're in a partnership here, and and it's a partnership that's grounded in God's gracious provision uh, and the ways that God provides us with leaders, uh, many of whom have, you know, wonderful, wonderful gifts and diverse gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, for a purpose, which is the kingdom of God, right? The the thriving of our of our congregation and our community and our and our world. So I'm really grateful that the, the leadership at Peace really has, I think, really has that in their hearts. It's putting us to a test, and I, I think we're passing it so far. Time will tell. Fingers crossed. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. It's good to get to know you a little bit better, and I'm and sure. I'm glad that um, maybe some members of our congregation who didn't know you as well have had a chance to get to know you better, too. Um, this podcast centers every week on the upcoming gospel story uh, for Sunday that's coming up, and we have... Uh, no shortage of wonderful gospels in the season of Easter this year, year A, in the lectionary cycle. And this coming Sunday, our gospel story is uh, from John chapter 10, the first 10 verses. And this this Sunday has traditionally been called, the fourth Sunday of Easter has traditionally been called Good Shepherd Sunday. And the Good Shepherd discourse in the gospel of John gets split up uh, on the varying Sundays that are Good Shepherd Sunday. And so this year, we get John uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, which of course means that we miss, we stop just short of the famous I am the Good Shepherd verse. But maybe what I'll do is, as I read the gospel story, I will go one verse farther so that everyone can hear the I am the Good Shepherd verse too. But, But just know that the gospel itself ends this Sunday at verse 10. This is John 10, Verses 1 to 11. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, Wonderful passage in the gospel of John. Uh, When we read the Bible at peace, uh, and, and study the Bible, we, we have traditionally used three sort of basic uh, questions as a framework uh, that are meant to, uh, to open up conversation, to, to give us, um, to get the juices flowing, to give us something to talk about. And those questions are as follows. The first is simply, what, what stands out to you? What did you notice hearing this passage the, this time around? The second question is, what questions do you have? Maybe, maybe this text has brought up something for you that you're wondering about or you're troubled by. Um, you don't even have to be able to resolve the question. Just simply, what questions does it bring up for you? And then finally, uh, how does this text come to life for you today? How does it become flesh? How does the word become flesh for you? Do you have a, we don't necessarily have to go in order, do you, but do you have an answer or a response to any of those questions? Well, kind of a lead up to the first one, I guess, is uh, I, I like all the Gospels. They're all a little bit different. Of course, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. Uh, John is kind of the outlier as far as that goes. I, he's very much more spiritual than the others. Uh, I would call him the most hippie of the apostles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always thought that if the apostles were standing around him, around Christ, you could always pick out John because he'd have the tie-dye tunic. <laughs> He's very spacey and very spiritually oriented. Uh, the, the way the whole thing starts. Uh, oh, pardon me one second here. I'm going to bring up. Uh, eh, maybe, maybe I'm not. Anyway, it starts. The gospel starts off. Uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, or something like that. Yeah, you, that was verbatim. Yeah, very, very good. Okay. And I'm thinking, you know, that's something like a college sophomore bowl session at night. Everybody would go, whoa. Yeah, John goes back to the beginning of the of Cosmos, right? The, the, Jesus, somehow the word of God is with is with God and is somehow also God. I mean, it's this, it, you're right, it's this very, very elevated Christology. Very, very mm-hmm. spiritual um transcendent kind of theology. You're right. Yeah, and it's a very good contrast, I think, with Mark, who uh, basically says, Christ did this, Jesus did this, and then he went and did this, and then this happened, and these people yeah. said... Yep, no Christmas, no infancy, just boom, yeah. right on the scene. Yep. Going right through the, the preaching and all that. Yep. So, uh, John, once again, he doesn't have the uh, birth and all that, but he kind of covers before that yeah he goes all the way back to the beginning you're right yeah fascinating so uh yeah getting back to our our passage here uh let's see what was the first real question there what stands out for me yeah what's what just stands out what what a word or a phrase or an image or some something a thought that occurs to you as you as you hear it yeah well definitely the last half of verse 10 uh, i come that they may have life and have it abundantly so much had been written about what does he mean by abundant life? Of course. And, of course, that 
kind of stands out from the rest of it. Almost doesn't connect with the good shepherd sort of thing there. But what does he mean by abundant life? And uh, like I said, there's been tomes written on that. That is one of my great questions for this text. It's it's one of my one of the things that I love best about it. I, John chapter ten verse ten is one of the verses that I come back to most regularly mm-hmm. when I think about. Well, what's what's the whole purpose of this of this movement? What's the whole purpose of this this Messiah's work? What's the whole purpose of my life of faith? Like in the end, what's it all for? And I will often land on abundant life. This is all about flourishing. It's all about thriving. Uh, one commentator this week says, you know, not just getting by, but flourishing. Right? Not just eking out an existence, but thriving. And not just for us, but for all of God's good creation. So, yeah, I mean, that seems like about as good of an outcome of God's loving relationship with the world as any. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Kind of, if you want to boil everything down to one phrase, I think you could do worse than to say, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. That just kind of boils the whole Gospels down to one thing. Agreed. And it also kind of um, wraps John's Gospel in flesh. I mean, I think the thing about, we often think that John is like, you know, oh yeah, he's, you know, more elevated. Christ is kind of always in control. There's there's maybe less visible humanity. But John is deeply committed to the incarnation. He's the Gospel who at the beginning also says, the word became flesh and lived among us full of grace and truth. He's very, very insistent on the fact that Jesus is truly embodied. Jesus is human. Mm -hmm. He is the word of God that was with God from the beginning, but he is truly, truly human. Yeah. Uh, He was here. He did these things. Absolutely. These things for us. Absolutely. And if abundant, so then that means that abundant life also has to be embodied, right? It also has to be incarnate. It can't just mean I came that they might have eternal life after death. Uh, He means, he means abundant life now and in eternal life. Which has really important implications and actually gets back to a little bit what you said about, you know, what, what, can we take a hard look at our society during this COVID-19 outbreak and say, hey, is everyone experiencing abundance of life? Yeah. Uh, and if the answer is no, what can we do as, as followers of Christ to insist yeah, more on that? I don't think we have to tear everything down, but we should look at the way we do things. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's another reason, of course, why we are so committed to feeding. John is also the, the gospel where we hear... Uh, Jesus say, Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs, mm-hmm. right? Abundant life means in part, for instance, we can start putting putting words to it, but yeah. abundant life means, for instance, that people have enough to eat. Yeah, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Yep, beautiful. Time, so it yep. must be important. <laughs> yeah, he insists on it, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, wonderful. So, um, uh, I wanted to share with you one thing that stands out to me, and it, and it sort of leans into that second question, which is what what questions do you have? Because it's also kind of a question or a wondering. Uh, it's interesting, you see that moment where the, the narrator kind of jumps in and says, Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they didn't get it. So he tried again. Did you catch that? <laughs> and it's interesting because in the first half, he's a shepherd, right? The shepherd knows his sheep, right? Calls them by name and they follow him out and trust him, right? But then, since people don't get it, he says, okay, maybe I'm not the shepherd, maybe I'm the gate. Uh, And so I thought it was interesting that Jesus uses two metaphors for himself. 
um, yeah, in this gonna... one passage. So he's a good shepherd on the one hand, but he's also the gate for the sheep on the other. And later on, he's the Lamb of God, so he's a sheep himself. And oh, go, my goodness. And the bread of life and the way, yeah. the truth, and the life. I mean, boy, so this notion of using powerful symbolic language for himself is mm-hmm. also a, a really uh, important feature of John's gospel. And he says, I am. And of course, by saying I am, he's yeah. using the language that God uses for God's own self in Exodus. When Moses asks what God's name is, God says, I am. Right, uh, yeah. And that's, so that's a really important feature of John's gospel. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that he uses two different metaphors in just a few verses. And boy, if, if they were confused before, how much more confused are they going to be now? Wait a minute, are you the shepherd or are you the gate? And Jesus, of course, would respond, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Any other questions that you have for this text? Um. Not really. I've, I guess I haven't delved into it that deeply. That's all right. I, I can tell you I have another question. Okay. Um, in addition to the to maybe asking more deeply, what does abundant life really mean for you and me and our congregation and our community? That's That's something that maybe we can talk about under the third prompt. But the other question I have is, uh, wh- what is he talking about here when he says, all who came before me are thieves and bandits. All others are are, are kind of illegitimate, right? Uh, elsewhere we hear Jesus say, uh, you know, you can't trust the, the hired hand. It's later in this chapter. You can't trust the hired hand either, right? You've got to trust only the good shepherd. Uh, only the good shepherd is, is, you know, worthy of obedience and is trustworthy. And... Um, you know, this is the same gospel where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so my question for Jesus here is, how exclusive is that claim? Um, there are certainly Christians today and in every generation who would say, well, this is exclusive. Uh, Jesus, If Jesus is a gate, that means some are in and some are out. But it makes me wonder um, how, how, how can that be applied in a way that isn't threatening uh, how can that be applied in a way that's an invitation uh, for the followers of Jesus to take comfort in his leadership without having to make it a question of who's in and who's out? Thousands of years of theology go into that, who's in and who's out, and how do we know? And Oh, you get into predestination and all of that. And it's it's a tough question. If it all comes back, how do you answer that? Yeah. How do you work it? Well, so so the only answer I can give to that question is that, uh, you know, Jesus isn't calling me to separate sheep from goats, right? Jesus isn't, isn't inviting me to make judgments as to who is worthy and who is not worthy of, of God's right. eternal care. And if, frankly, if God so loves the world, then how is God going to distinguish between those whom God loves enough for them to be among the the flock and and those who won't be, who will find their way somewhere else and and uh, won't have a trustworthy voice to follow in eternity or you know however however you want to think about this passage. I just I just am always I'm just not that interested in condemnation, right? I'm not that interested in judgment. Uh, I don't really think that that's especially important for me, and I think uh, so. So I'm not. I don't really. I don't really presume to judge, I guess, is a, is the answer that I land on. 
um, if God reserves the right to judge, so be it. And, and if, uh, and if God has called me to anything, it's to faith and love and not to, not to judgment and not to, um, deciding who's in and who's out. Yes. Anyway, my two cents. Uh, yeah. Um, how about that last prompt? And it's in some ways, I think it's the most important because it's, it's, well, it's the last one. It's probably the one we're most likely to remember. But also, uh, it's the one that asks us to think about in what way does this text actually act upon us today? How does this text uh, become life-giving to us? Or, in a, uh, to borrow John's language, how does the word become flesh for you today, Mark? <sighs> yeah, it, so much in this one, so I'm going to jump out of the verse a little bit, but he tells us to go and feed his sheep, as I mentioned before, and uh, do unto others. And it's up to us to go do that. Hmm. Uh, we are not the gatekeeper. We are not the shepherd. We are the sheep. But Amen. we can be good examples. Mm-hmm. We can help others. Yeah, and in fact, I mean, we we are called to do that. That's a that's a command. Yes. That's 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 the law. And we're you know, as Lutherans, we're people of law and gospel. Thank goodness. We rest on God's mercy alone. We rest on God's provision, God's grace, God's love. But the only appropriate response to that grace and mercy and love is is to turn around and be gracious and merciful and loving toward others. Um, I, yeah. I appreciate that. The the psalm, incidentally, the psalm for the day. Uh, this Sunday, you probably aren't surprised to hear, is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's this beautiful phrase in that poetry um, that I love, my, my cup overflows. God has spread a table for me, my cup overflows. God is pouring goodness into my cup such that it overflows. And I've always liked to say, well, that's a really apt image for Christian ethics, that if God, if God fills my cup to overflowing, then it naturally overflows to others. Yeah. Yeah, it overflows. It's not ending up on the table or the ground. We have to share the wealth to a certain degree, you know? Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Um, getting back to that, that that famous phrase, abundant life in John, this idea that Jesus, Jesus' purpose is to bring abundant life. Um, and I always remember... Uh, that so one of one of the images for abundant life in John uh, is the wedding at Cana, and speaking oh, yeah. speaking of overflowing cups, right? The the wedding at Cana is all about abundance. It's all about Jesus' presence and the abundant goodness that results from that. Uh, and in the case of the wedding at Cana, it's wine, uh, it's it's celebration, it's joy. Uh, so abundant life in Christ, uh, I'm always reminded, based on another story in John, abundant life in Christ does leave room for joy and celebration and merrymaking, even. Uh, yeah. And and so uh, the but of course it's shared. I mean that's the other image of the wedding. The wedding guests are all equally filled, right? That that there is no one who is left yeah. out in that particular wedding story. Uh, so yeah. that that to me speaks really powerfully again to that very enfleshed, very uh, very embodied, uh, earthly way of thinking of abundant life. What does it mean for us to share abundant life together in the life of Christ? Yeah, yeah. When you look at it, it's when it's abundant. It doesn't mean I have a lot. Mm-hmm. It means 
I have enough to share. Amen. Give that overabundance to those who need it. That's beautiful. Um, have you ever heard the the? There's a uh, an aphorism that's gone around in recent years. Uh, I think in the form of a meme, uh, and it's something something along the lines of um, when you have more than you need, build a longer table and not a higher fence. Yes, yes. John would love that. I think uh, that would look like abundant life. A, a, a more and more people joining a feast uh, where there is more than enough for everyone. That that to me feels like a really true image to the gospel of John. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate your time on the podcast and I appreciate your thoughtfulness. You know, for a, for a, a Finnish introvert, you, you sure are a good conversationalist. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your, for your, uh, your, your joy and your kindness and your leadership. Uh, of our congregation in this really unprecedented time. Yes. I'm just hoping I can help out, you know, fill a pilgrimage somewhere. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. This has been episode seven of Together in the Word on Pioneer and Third, uh, a podcast about the upcoming gospel for uh, Sunday. My guest today, Mark Siltala of Peace Lutheran Church. Thanks again, Mark. And thank you all for listening.